Chapter Twenty Eight of In New England Fields and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. In New England Fields and Woods by Roland E. Robinson. The Raccoon. Summer is past its height. The songless bobolink has forsaken the shorn meadow. Grainfields, save the battalioned maize, have fallen from gracefulness and beauty of bending heads and ripple of mimic waves to bristling acres of stubble. From the thriftless borders of ripening weeds, busy flocks of yellow birds in faded plumage scatter in sudden flight at one's approach like upblown flurries of dun leaves. Goldenrod gilds the fence corners. Asters shine in the dewy borders of the wood, sole survivors of the floral world save the persistent bloom of the wild carrot and succory flourishing as if there had never been mower or reaper and the white blossoms of the buckwheat crowning the filling kernels the fervid days have grown perceptibly shorter the lengthening nights have a chilly autumnal flavor and in the cool dust the katydids call and answer one to another out of their leafy tents and the delicate green crickets that yankee folks call august pipers play their monotonous tune above the katydid's strident cry and the piper's incessant notes a wild tremulous whinny shivers through the gloom at intervals now from a distant field or wood now from the near orchard one listener will tell you that it is only a little screech owl's voice another that it is the raccoon's rallying cry to a raid on the cornfield there is endless disputation concerning it and apparently no certainty but the raccoon is wilder than the owl and it is pleasanter to believe that it is his voice that you hear. The corn is in the milk. The feast is ready. The father and mother and well-grown children born and reared in the cavern of the ledge or hollow tree of a swamp are hungry for sweets remembered or yet untasted, and they are gathering to it, stealing out of the thick darkness to the woods and along the brookside in single file, never stopping to dig a fiery wake-robin bulb nor to catch a frog nor harry a late brood of ground-nesting birds, but only to call some laggard or distant clansfolk. So one fancies, when the quavering cry is repeated, and when it ceases, that all the freebooters have gained the cornfield, and are silent with busy looting. Next day's examination of the field may confirm the fancy with the sight of corn and trampled stalks and munched ears. These are the nights when the coon-hunter is abroad, and the robber's revel is likely to be broken up in a wild panic. Hunted only at night, to follow the coon, the boldest strider must dismount. Yet he who risks neck and limbs, or melts or freezes for sport's sake, and deems no sport manly that has not a spice of danger nor discomfort in it, must not despise this humble pastime for such reason. On leaving the highway that leads nearest to the hunting ground, the way of the coon hunters takes them, in darkness or feeble lantern light, over rough and uncertain footing, till the cornfield's edge is reached and the dogs cast off. Away go the hounds, their course only indicated by the rustling of the corn leaves as they range through the field until one old truth-teller gives tongue on the track of a coon who perhaps has brought his whole family out on a nocturnal picnic. The hounds sweep straight away in full cry on the hot scent to hill or swamp, where their steadfast baying proclaims that the game is treed. Then follows a pell-mell scramble toward the musical uproar. 
stones cradle notes logs stumps mud holes brambles and all the inanimate enemies that lie in wait for man when he hastens in the dark combine to trip bump bruise sprain scratch and bemire the hurrying hunters then when all have gathered at the centre of attraction where the excited hounds are raving about the bole of some great tree the best and boldest climber volunteers to go aloft into the upper darkness and shake the quarry down or shoot him if may be if he succeeds in accomplishing the difficult task what a melee ensues when the coon crashes through the branches to the ground and becomes the erratic centre of a wild huddle of dogs and men fewer voices never broke the stillness of night with sounds more unearthly than the medley of raging yelping growling cheering and vociferous orders given forth by dogs coon and hunters while hillside and woodland toss to and fro a more discordant badinage of echo the coon is not a great beast but a tough and sharp-toothed one who carries beneath his gray coat and fat ribs a stout heart and wonderful vitality and a tussle with a veteran of the tribe of cornfield robbers tests the pluck of the dogs if the coon takes refuge in a tree too tall and limbless for his pursuers to climb there is nothing for them but to keep watch and ward till daylight discovers him crouched on his lofty perch a huge fire enlivens the long hours of guard-keeping a foraging party repairs to the nearest cornfield for roasting ears and the hunters shorten the slow night-tide with munching scorched corn sauced by joke and song and tales of the coon hunts of bygone years the waning moon throbs into view above the serrated hill crest then climbs the sky while the meadows draw eastward then pales in the dawn and when it is like a blotch of white cloud in the zenith a sunrise gun welcomes day and brings the coon tumbling to earth or perhaps not a coon but some vagrant house-cat is the poor reward of the long watch then the weary hunters plod homeward to breakfast and to nail their trophies to the barn door when the sweet acorns dropping in the frosty night tempt the coon to a later feast there is as good sport and primer peltry in any of the nights wherein this sport may be pursued the man of lazy mould and contemplative mind loves best the hunt deemed unsuccessful by the more ardent hunters when the hounds strike the trail of a wandering fox and carry a tide of wild music flooding and ebbing over valley and hilltop while the indolent hunter reclines at ease smoking his pipe and listening content to let more ambitious hunters stumble over ledges and wallow through swamps when winter begins the coon retires for a long and comfortable sleep warmly clothed in fur and fat a great midwinter thaw awakens him fooled out of a part of his nap by the siren song of the south wind and he wanders forth in quest of something if food he never finds it and as far as i have been able to determine does not even seek it i should imagine reading the record of his journey as he prints it in his course from hollow tree to hollow ledge or other hollow trees and hollow ledges that he had been awakened to a sense of loneliness and was seeking old friends and familiar haunts with whom to talk over last year's cornfield raids and frogging parties in past summer nights perchance to plan future campaigns or is it an inward fire and no outward warmth that has thawed him into his sudden activity has he like many of his biggers and betters gone a-wooing in winter nights at such times the thrifty hunter who has an eye more to profit in prime peltry than to sport goes forth armed only with an axe taking the track of the wanderers he follows it to their last tarrying place 
if it be a cave they are safe except from the trap when they come forth to begin another journey but if it is to a hollow tree woe betide the poor wretches the hunter saps the foundations of their castle and when it crashes to its fall he ignominiously knocks the dazed inmates on the head it is fashionable for others to wear the coat which becomes the raccoon much better than them and which once robbed of he can never replace during the spring and early summer little is seen of the raccoon his tracks may be found on the sandy shore or margin of a brook and occasionally his call can be heard if indeed it be his but beyond these he gives little evidence of his existence there must be nocturnal excursions for food but for the most part old and young abide in their rocky fortress or wooden tower they are reported to be a playful family and the report is confirmed by the pranks of domesticated members of it sometimes there will be found in one of their ravaged homes a rounded gnarl worn smooth with much handling or pawing the sole furniture of the house and evidently a plaything this little brother of the bear is one of the few remaining links that connect us with the old times when there were trees older than living men when all the world had not entered for the race to gain the prize of wealth or place or renown when it was the sum of all happiness for some of us to go a coonin it is pleasant to see the track of this midnight prowler this despoiler of cornfields imprinted in the mud of the lane or along the soft margin of the brook to know that he survives though he may not be the fittest when he has gone for ever those who outlive him will know whether it was his quavering note that jarred the still air of the early fall evenings or if it was only the voice of the owl if he too shall not then have gone the inevitable way of all the wild world End of chapter twenty eight